Good day, dear listeners, and welcome to the Chapter Verses and Episode Podcast channel. Once again, I'm your host, Tola Johnson. I want to appreciate you for coming back to this channel, and I pray that I'll keep on churning nice artworks to you. Stay tuned. Was like what they are saying, mind your temple. Today, I'm going to read to you an article titled Define the Garden of Eden Syndrome. This is an article that was written by Kanda Yumkela for Project Syndicates 2010. He wrote, and I read, When you fly into Takura, the Ghana's largest port city, and an industrial and commercial center, one of the first things you notice are the oil rigs along the coast. It's a panorama that is increasingly characteristic of modern-day Africa. Nearby in the city of Elmina, one can see the scars of the past. An air feeling clings to you after you've finished the tour of the dungeon of the notorious Elmina Castle. The castle center of the former West African slave trade. In Ghana, according to him, he met with ministers who shared with him impressive figures and how much progress the country has made in achieving the Millennium Development Goals of the war, MDGs. Some traditional rulers, academics and representatives of civil societies and students, on the other hand, were more worried about whether the country's new oil wealth would benefit ordinary people. Is oil a blessing or a cost? Will oil and other natural resources force Ghana, ranked among the leading producers of cocoa, coffee, and oil palm, to turn its back on agriculture? Will oil wealth create kleptocracy on the bones of 30 years of progress in meeting standard criteria of governance? Ghanaians are not alone in voicing such concerns. Their compatriots in Syria alone also want to know what will happen now that they too have won the commodity lottery. Last year, the country struck oil and discovered one of the largest iron ore deposits in the world. It also recently signed new mining concession of bauxite. In addition to existing concession of diamonds, titanium and gold, one of the Iron ore concession in Syria alone is estimated to hold 10.5 billion tons of oil. Hmm. It's impressive. Similar stories of mining abundance have emerged in other African countries. In recent years, including Chad, Guinea, Liberia, Mauritania, and Sudan, and as the rest of the world grapples with austerity measures, such countries should be considering restoration strategies and ways to permanently win themselves off foreign aid. 
in the same way that Ghana was the trailblazer for ending colonial rule, it could also become Sub-Saharan Africans' next success story in economic terms. But it must be ready to make such tough decisions and study the region's existing success stories. On a continent where mineral wealth too often has become a curse, Botswana under the leadership of President Festus Gondebae Mugai has demonstrated how natural resources can promote sustainable development and good governance. Mugai managed to hold down inflation and attract foreign investment in order to diversify Botswana's economy and makes it less dependent on the extraction of diamonds, while simultaneously ensuring that the that more of the country's mineral wealth was processed at home. Thanks in part to the effort of celebrities like Bono and Bob Geldof, some African countries also absorbed of their long-standing debt a few years ago. The choices that we as Africans make today will determine whether we remain poor, evolve into Dubai, Dubai like diversified economics, or follow the successful agricultural-led industrialization model implemented in Malaysia, despite that country's gas discovery. African countries could also choose the Norwegian model, which established the principles that natural wealth belongs to all citizens, including the unborn, and that all mining deals should be completely transparent to the public. Adherence to these principles ensure that private rent-seeking and appropriation oil profits, a major dimension of the so-called resource cost, is avoided. At the same time, it is important to prevent mineral wealth from causing unwarranted currency appreciation, the dreaded Dutch disease, which will undermine other economies, sector, competitiveness, and stifle exports-oriented manufacturing growth, thereby stalling economics, economy structural transformation. In the Africans' triple heritage, the Kenyan born scholar Ali Mazrai expressed concern about what he perceived to be the Garden of Eden in decay. Speaking of the lost decade of the 1980s in Africa, Mazrai observed that despite being endowed with superb climatic conditions, few African countries could feed themselves. Likewise, despi likewise, despite being engaged in trade in minerals and cash crops, most countries still wallowed in a state of aid dependency. Masrui, forever the optimist, 
expressed hope that the humans will has that the human will has the power of restoration. We Africans can blame colonialism on most of the problems of the past 350 years, but we will have no one to blame for the decisions that we make in the next 50 years. No one is forcing us to sign mining and drilling deals today. African leaders should use the natural resource charter launched in Oslo in 2009 and the Extractive Industries Transparency Initiative as guidelines when undertaking any mining negotiation. We can and must avoid the Garden of Eden Syndrome. This is the end of the article. I want to appreciate you for listening. Why I leave you to enjoy Lagbaja. Don't do gra gra for me. So no African African leaders, we must not accept gra gra from any deals. Thank you for listening.